Inside Syracuse Basketball with Mike Waters. Presented by Syracuse.com. College basketball is a great thing. Anything can happen. Welcome to the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Waters. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Rob McClanahan. A former Syracuse basketball walk-on, Rob has become a renowned workout trainer for NBA superstars. But two years ago, Rob attempted suicide. Now, Rob is talking about mental and emotional health. He recently visited Syracuse University, where he gave a presentation to all of Syracuse's student-athletes about mental and emotional well-being. It's a fascinating and important discussion. Welcome back to another edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Waters, and today we have a really fantastic guest. It's former Syracuse walk-on and trainer to the NBA stars, uh, Rob McClanahan. How you doing, Rob? Good, Mike. Good to see you, man. Yeah, it's really good to see you, too. It's uh, Usually we're able to run, run into each other once or twice a season at some arena somewhere. Yeah. Past couple of years, it's been hard with COVID. Yeah, it has. I, I saw um, I saw some. I saw Donna down at Boston College, but that's really it. Yeah, and I of course the the one trip I didn't make, I don't get to see yeah. Rob in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, there's a very special reason I wanted to have you on. Uh, we've talked uh, leading up to to, to recording this. Um, you of course wrote a very compelling and a, a revealing personal. Uh, you know, essay in the Players Tribune back in December. We talked about some of your struggles with mental health and the fact that you actually did uh, attempt suicide a couple years ago. And boy, that hit home with a lot of folks that, that knew you. Of course, I knew you when you were playing at Syracuse. Yeah. But now, just recently, you were able to come to Syracuse University and speak to both the coaches and also a lot of the student athletes. And I thought it was really, you know, great that you did that, but also timely because we're coming up here on the month of May, which is mental health month, mental, mm -hmm. mental health awareness. Um, and I'm struggling on where to start with you, Rob. Um, I tell you what, for, what was it like for you to get up there on stage and in front of a bunch of student athletes whose shoes you were in, you know, 18 years ago, uh, 20 years ago, what was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, first thing I said to them was a, it was a full circle moment, you know, for me to go up there and, and you go up to the stage a lot and you say, you know, I was in your shoes at one time, but I literally was. And, you know, so to go up there and, and, and kind of talk to them and give, you know, listen, I was here, I graduated 2001. It's been a lot going on in the last 20 years, especially the last three or four years, right? So um, I just want to give my experience not only at Syracuse and I leverage those experiences into their career. But the second part of what I spoke about was mental health. And, and you know, I can't imagine what they've been going through. And kind of just give my experiences on, on that and how you deal with it. And um, to let them know, you know, listen, this is a normal thing. Did they know? Had, did they know about your story in the Players' Tribune? Or is that part of your talk with them? Yeah, I don't think they knew about it. I mean, I don't think they had any idea. Um, so what I did was I discussed, like I said, how I use my relationships in Syracuse with my teammates, with my coaches, with alumni, right, the boosters, and leverage that into, you know, help me my career. No matter what career you did, it might happen to be sports, but it could be anything. You know, like Syracuse is, is like a cult, right? Wherever you go, there's somebody that can help you, you know? So, um, you know, no matter what city you're in, 
quite a few schools really that could say that. And, you know, with me, I, I discussed that and I went through my whole career and how great it was, right? And then I stopped and said, it's been a great life, right? You, know, you would think this is the perfect life. And I went into kind of what I dealt with the past really 10 years. Um, and, you know, now, especially I think with kids at that age, teenage level, kids in their 20s, um, this, this new world we live in, how, how tough it is, but how normal it is to, you know, have, have issues mentally. Let's, uh, let's back up and, and provide a little background to some of the listeners who don't know your full story. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, a, you're a Rhode Island high school standout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you come to Syracuse, you walk <laughs> on the team, you played for three years, you, you lettered three years, mm-hmm. uh, from basically from 99 to 01. So you played with guys like Jason Hart, Laton Thomas, Preston Shumpert, Alan Griffin, all those mm-hmm. guys. Um, and then after school... I know you, you you worked around with coaching a little bit, but you really found your your calling, your niche as a trainer, uh, uh, the, the maybe like the the premier workout guy to the NBA stars. I mean, people like Kevin Durant and Russell Wells, Westbrook, Kevin Love, all these guys have worked out with you. I know it started with Ryan Gomes, former yeah. Providence guy, right? Yeah. That's yeah, a I mean, pretty good life. I mean, you're you're flying around. You're working out NBA superstars all over the the country, all over the globe. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I worked with Seth Greenberg for a year in South Florida, um, and you know, I, I, when I was down there, I met the guys at IMG Academy, where I am now, helping some guys out, and I realized, wow, you can work guys out and make money doing. It. That's interesting, and it didn't really exist back then. You know, it, it was a guy had their guy, and that was it. Didn't have like ten guys. A guy did fifteen guys. Um, I got lucky. ABCD camp through Sonny Vaccaro. Met Kevin Love and Derek Rose there. Next thing you know, fast forward to 08. Kevin Love and Derek kept me in the draft, and then I had seven other guys. So I had nine guys in the top fifty in the draft. And at that point, I was working for Arn Tellum, was the top agent in the world. Bob Myers was an agent. He's now the president of the Warriors and BJ Armstrong. And the guy that connected me with BJ Armstrong was Trey Weaver. Troy, former SU assistant. Yeah, so without that that connection, I don't know if I would have been there, quite honestly. So Troy helped me out. A lot of guys helped me out. Coach helped me out. Uh, and, um, you know, from there, I, got, I had those guys, and I ended up getting Wall, Curry, Durant, Horford. And obviously, the better they did, the better I did, right? So, yeah, it just it's one of those things that kind of just happened. Like you said, I traveled the world with these guys. I've been to Asia six times with Steph Curry. I've been all over Europe with KD. Um, been to Asia with Kevin, Derek, you name it. So um, it's quite the life, quite the whirlwind, quite a fast track, right? So I never had time to really decompress or, you know, really just just deal myself. So when did the mental struggles start to come on? And I, I've read the Players' Tribune story. You mentioned yeah. a few uh, life uh, instances that – might have been a trigger yeah yeah i explained to the kids soon afterwards too there's always a trigger there's always something right and i think for me is my father died november 1st 2011 and it was crazy because that's usually my down time of year november which the first week of, of uh season i kind of just sit and watch games and relax a little bit that year was a lockup year so he ended up dying and I, I dealt with it for like four or five days at home i dealt with everything my sister was eight months pregnant and then i just went right back to LA to train my guys in, in, in LA. And I never really, I guess, grieved and, and went through that process. And it happened very fast. He died really quick. So, um, you know, to me, 
that was a trigger. I was young. Uh, you know, my dad just retired. I looked up to my dad. So it happened so fast. I never grieved. And I think I kind of just suppressed it over the years. And it kind of just led to other, you know, other things like depression and anxiety. Um, that Players' Tribune article where you described all of your struggles and also how you mask them. So a lot of these superstars that you're working out, you're working with, they have no idea what Rob McClanahan's going through and then how it culminated uh, with the suicide attempt. What, what, what caused you to want to lay all of this personal stuff out to the public? Um, yeah, good question. Um, a few things. I mean, first of all, um, I knew what people were going through because I saw it. Um, you know, when Kevin wrote the article, Kevin Love, 2017, same place, tribute article. And the story is very parallel. It's kind of crazy. So yeah. um, he hit home to a lot of people. Um, this is pre-COVID, obviously. So it was when that came out, I was almost mad, not mad at him, but I said, how, how come you didn't tell me? You know, he's like, well, that's the point of the article, right? To, to let people know I didn't want to tell anybody. And, but it's okay. But I didn't want to tell anybody. He said, same with me, because, you know, you're this alpha kind of male, you have this, you know, this personality, like he was a world champion, Olympian, I was training those guys. So I had to like, be that kind of guy. Yep. So I don't want to look so often all that, right? So um, when I dealt with my stuff, you know, I talked to Kevin about it and some other people and I knew I had a platform to do it. You know, I'm not a celebrity like Kevin, but I had people that kind of knew me and looked up to me, what have you. And, and quite honestly, no one knew I was going through this. It was probably a handful of people. So I figured this is the way to do it. But the main reason I did it is I had three kids. I have three kids. My daughter's eight, my boy goes 27. And I knew one of them statistically would go through something like this. Maybe hopefully not like this, but something mentally, right? So especially, you know, this this post-COVID stuff with the isolation and, and, and not doing, having a college experience, your regular school experience. My kids didn't experience school without masks until like a month ago. Um, I, I knew I had a responsibility to them. And, you know, if one of them does have something going on when they're teenagers, let's say, I want them to know, listen, it's all right, dad went through it too, super dad went through it too, right? So if I, I looked at it like that, and also I just knew that there's still this stigma and, and, and I see what's going on. I mean, we, we saw what, three girls in, in, in big time colleges commit suicide in the last, what, six weeks? You know, Wisconsin. Yeah. There was a girl at Stanford, a girl from Wisconsin, and a girl down at James Madison. And I was going to bring them up in a little bit because I wanted to get your you know, how those things hit you. But so continue though about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I guess I wrote it because I wanted people to know, like I told the student athletes, Hey, listen, whatever you're feeling, it's normal. Right. And it's, it's okay. And as long as you know, it's normal and talk about it, take care of yourself. It will get better. It might not go away. It's not going to ever go away, but it, it will get better. But if you, if you hold it in like I did for years and years, it can lead to really bad things. You knew Kevin Love, who had come forward with his struggles. You want, you were mad at him for not talking to you about it. Then when you're going through your struggles, you could have reached out to Kevin. You mentioned your sister. I read in, the, in that story, your sister's a psychologist. Yeah. Why is it so hard when you're going through that? To Why is it so hard to reach out? Especially when it seems to me you had at least two people who would have been completely understanding right oh for sure um yeah again you know yeah you, you, you have this for me i'm just 
this alpha male, right? I didn't want people to think I was soft and all that. And also, I think you look at it like, I don't want to bother people. I don't want to bother with that. You know, and I think a lot of people do. I think the people that now reach out to all the people, I think you have to look out for it. You know, and it's small little tiny things. And I think I was doing that. I can't, you know, recall, but I'm, I'm sure I did. Yeah. And people might have been like, oh, yeah, you'll be fine. Something like that. Yeah. Um, it wasn't their fault. It was me kind of being too subtle about it. It was my fault. So, right. yeah, I think it was just not wanting to bother people, kind of want to handle it myself, but also thinking it's not that big of a deal. Like, I didn't know how bad it was until it got really, really bad. When you count, when you go and talk to kids, like recently when you came to Syracuse University and you talk to the student athletes here, do you talk to them about how hard it is to reach out and, and how important it is? that if they're in that situation that they need to reach out to somebody yes. and maybe not be subtle. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's the first thing I said to them. I said, listen, doesn't have to be a therapist right away. You talk to a family member, a friend, just get it off your chest, talk to somebody about it initially. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think everyone should be a therapist. I mean, if you don't do something or not, because if you, if you just talk about stuff, it just helps. Right. Um, you know, so I told this to an athlete, listen, it's whatever you're feeling, it's fine. It's normal, especially now, post-COVID. Yeah. What those kids went through through college, I can't imagine. I really can't. You know, having no, no fans and, and things like that and, and just walking on campus with no one around, doing this is learning in their dorm room with no one in there. So whatever. Um, I told them whatever you're going through is normal, number one. Number two, yes, talk to somebody. Yeah. Talk to somebody. And number three, listen, you know, there's this, there's this stigma out there that's – hopefully slowly going away and I told them you know whatever you are going through whatever it is anxiety depression just 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 laziness you know just be there for each other you know because and I told the coaches there's a lot of signs you know whether it's hopelessness negativity change your diet um you know, and men especially being irritable is a big one. And I told them this, you know, look out for these things and, and just pull a kid to the side privately because, you know, you don't want to do this publicly and just, and just, just give, hey, I'm here for you. That's all. And, and go from there. When you spoke to the students, I mean, we're talking every student athlete at Syracuse, right? Or just about. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was that big of a crowd. Yeah. What was the reaction? What was the feeling that you were getting from them? Yeah, it's a good question because I didn't know what to expect. I mean, listen, it was probably the nicest day they said they had there in two years. <laughs> 82 degrees. It's a Sunday. It's, it's the end of the semester, right? It's maybe the last, one of the last weekends kids are hanging out. So I'm thinking, first of all, no one's going to be here. But I realized later on that it was mandatory for everyone to be there. So I was like, oh, man, they're not going to want to be here. This is going to, you know. So, but initially when I started talking about the players I trained, whatever, you know, caught their eye a little bit. But then when I went into the mental health stuff and I, and I told the, you know, the AD and a couple of associate ADs, I said, it was crazy. Like their phone, would, their phones put down and they just looked at me. It was almost like they were like all going through something, almost like they hit home, mm-hmm. you know, but no one's on their phone. It was like staring at me way more than they were when I was talking about training LeBron, you know, like they were, they were just glued in. And um, so you could tell some of these kids were going through something because they were, dialed in and I went over the, the amount of you know time um and then when I got done you know we didn't really do a Q&A because any Q, I, t- I told them any question they had they're not going to publicly they're just not 
And I get that. I didn't look at me. I didn't. So I said, anybody wants to see me after privately, I'll be over here. There's a line of like 50 kids. Really? And I'd say about 25% of them put me to the side. Can we talk over here privately? Oh. You know, and no one really, obviously no one gave me like crazy stories. I would have reported it, but it was more like, yeah, I'm going through some stuff. Like, you know, how do you deal with this? And is it that? So it was, it's, you know, it was there. And this is only people that came up to me. Who knows who didn't want to come up to me, right? And I got a lot of emails, you know, a lot of LinkedIn hits. And um, now I responded to everybody. But like, again, no one, no one gave me like crazy stories, but it was more like, I get it. You know, I get it. Thank you for coming out. So it was, the reaction was very overwhelming. You know, worry about kids at that age, teenagers, early 20s anyway. The college environment's got a lot of pressure. But beyond that, the student athlete or just the athlete in general, because we've seen a lot of high-profile athletes recently talk about their mental health. Simone Biles, uh, Naomi Osaka, a whole bunch of others. Um, Did you find that the student athlete is actually maybe more, I don't know how to phrase it, prone or susceptible to, you know, these kind of uh, emotional or mental issues? Yeah, I mean, yeah, in a sense where, listen, I was an athlete. Like I said, I didn't play a lot, but I had a jersey. But I had all the same responsibilities. Now, hold on one second. You were 6 of 13 from three-point range in, in, for your well, career. That's I, started, a- I started three for three. I seen you. Led the country. Don't forget that. <laughs> it was a known thing. Coach Bayheim uh, busted my chops on. Um, <laughs> but – you know, these possibilities are still there, and it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, no matter what sport you're in, Division One, that level, I mean, you don't have – I mean, at basketball, you don't have a spring break. You don't have a winter break. You don't have a Thanksgiving break. You don't have a – you don't go off for Christmas, really. Right. You know, and you're stuck on South Campus alone. And, you know, on top of – you know, you're, during the school, you have classes. You travel. You land at 4 a.m. You go to class at 8. You practice at 3. You know, it's a, it's a lot. You know, and then you want to have a social life. You want to keep in touch with your family. It's just – you want to get good grades and, you know, make your parents proud. So I, I get it. I, I get the overbearing of it. I, I didn't feel that pressure like some of these fortunate girls do have that we've, that we've heard about. But I think it's also different what they're going through. And, you know, again, another reason I did this article is for, like I said, for my kids, especially, you know, these, these teenage girls, what, you know, what they're going through. It really worries me. And, and the pressure of social media. And do I have enough likes? Do I look good? Um, doing the followers, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot for the, you know, am I skinny enough, whatever it is. And it's, it's bad. And if you're not invited to a party and you see the party on Instagram, like, why did I get invited? You know, and it really, it really hurts these kids, you know, and it's, it's, it's a real thing that, you know, social media, you get, you gotta be careful of it. You gotta be careful of it. Your kids are still young. My kids are older. Uh, you and me should have a talk about daughters uh, yeah. and, and what's the life yeah, ahead yeah. for you. Yeah, um, I wore a shirt all summer at the beach that said D A D D, Dads Against Daughters Dating. <laughs> every, every time I saw another dad, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned the social media for like a teenage girl, but for the athlete, mm. uh, you know, some of the stuff that these kids see on social media where people are talking about them and just running. Do, do any of the student athletes talk to you about that? About. The haters, the, the people oh, that just, yeah. you know, this player stinks, that player should transfer, or, or that player who did transfer, good, he sucked. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they, a couple of students did mention that to me, how, you know, if, if you lose games, and listen, this is not the best year for a serial athletics, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of them felt that pressure of, of not winning and 
you heard about it in the media, obviously. You know, and I'm, you know, on top of that, not having fans there for a couple of years was tough. So, yeah, definitely the, the haters out there, you read about it, you know. We all read about the NBA stuff and the haters and guys responding and all that. But it happens, you know, on social media, too. You get tagged once, that gets retweeted. That You know, you had a bad game, you're terrible. How are you going to scout, you know, all this stuff. So that will add up, add up, and add up. And, and, and kids will suppress that. Sometimes it leads to really bad things. You were this big, strong, athletic trainer to the stars, working out guys like KD and, like we said, you know, Russell Westbrook and all the others. What was those guys' reaction when you came forward with your struggles? When that, what I, I want to know, yeah, you know, KD or, or not Kevin Love, because we get Kevin, he's a little different. Kevin, he's been uh, through yeah. it. Well, it's funny because that was um, <laughs> the week before it came out December 22nd, that whole week prior to that. I was with Steph Curry a lot because he had broken the record in the guard, the two point record. I was there with him and after. And then I went, I went home to Rhode Island. He kind of followed that path because they played with Celtics that three days later. So I got dinner with him the night before in Boston as well, and then went to the game. So I was with him, you know, four days and five, you know, four to five days that whole week prior, not bringing it up. You didn't mention the articles coming out? Did not. I did not. And I didn't mention anybody. Okay. And I, I would have, I mean, that was just kind of his week, you know, and, you know, the record that he broke. So. I didn't dare do that, that that week. So anyway, I didn't bring it up. And then it came out. And about the day it came out, or a day later, he texted me. And, uh, you know, I can't, I can't believe it, you know. But he was more, not mad at it, tell him, more proud that I came out. And again, you know, he has two daughters, and we talked about that and the pressures of, of this day and age. And yeah, I mean, people were just shocked. You know, people, my family, my friends. But the crazy thing, a lot of people that reached out to me that didn't know about it, that were close to me, reach out to me saying they had some issues, same issues, you know? So, and, you know, someone very close to me had a, a very bad issue and I'm getting them some help. So it was, it was kind of crazy how, you know, they, they weren't mad that I didn't tell them. They were more like, all right, now that you did, I, I, I can tell you something, you know? So it was kind of, it was really crazy. Um, in addition to the student athletes at Syracuse, when you came here, you had a separate time where you talked with the coaches. What was, was, was that any different, you know, like the reaction from the coaches or what you said to them or what they wanted to know? Yeah. It was, uh, was that different than what the, the, the student athletes wanted to know? Yeah, definitely. It was, I was talking to them more, you know, how to help the student athlete. And, and listen, I told them it's probably half the people in this room are going through something too. But I said, Let, let's talk about who you can help. and Hopefully you can help yourself hearing this. But, you know, they were, they had a lot more questions and they were definitely dialed into it. And their main questions were, how, how can I tell? You know, what are the things? And I just told them, you know, some things that I went through and how you could have told if you knew me at that time. And, and I also been studying this a long time now, for the past few years going through it. So, so I kind of have, you know, researched it. And I just told them, like I just told you, just negativity, change of diet, irritability. Um, Hopelessness, you know, maybe change, changing attitude, you know, not caring at all, um, isolation, you know, things like that. Um, you know, I just said look for it and don't don't just assume they're going through something, but pull someone to the side. Hey, I've noticed, you know, you lost the weight. I noticed, you know, you don't talk to anybody. What's what's going on? You know, or you're very negative or you feel helpless, whatever it is. You know, and I said pull a kid aside, ask them. 
privately in the office without in front of anybody. And, and it, it could help. You know, you do it to 20 kids, one's going to say something. You know, you do it to one kid, he might not. But don't be afraid to approach these kids before it's too late. But it's, it's hard because they are, you know, adults, you know, so you don't want to cross that line. And, you know, you also want to make sure that if these kids do come out and say something, they're not afraid of losing playing time or being soft, you know, things like that. Right. They, they need to know that. They need to know that. Is this presentation that you did at Syracuse University something that you, you're going to repeat and do at other schools? Because it yeah. sounds to me like other schools should be jumping right on this. If it's not to have Rob McClanahan come, they got to find somebody else that would be. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this, I mean, I had a five-hour drive home, and I, I, I called a lot of coaches I knew. I called Frank Martin. I called Hop. I called Eddie Cooley, you know, and I said, listen, this, this hit home, I think, pretty well. And I, I said the same to you, said. Right? It doesn't have to be me, but I think this is a very important topic needs to get approached because, listen, like I told the coaches at Syracuse, we don't know. Like every study they do is what ten years, so we're not going to know for another like seven, eight years what COVID really did to these kids percentage-wise. We're not going to. I tell you, it's going to be mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Um, it, we've talked a lot about your what it's told to the student athletes and and the mental issue and everything, but Rob McClanahan <laughs> continues also back in your job as a pro trainer, right? Mm-hmm that little fear that maybe some of these NBA guys wouldn't want to be around, you know, working out with like that, that, that didn't happen. These guys all, they want to work with you. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm still, still, still doing it. Still loving it. Down at IMG now working with some guys, you know, was, was all into the playoffs last night. I'll miss a game. So yeah, I mean, listen, I'm a, always been a trainer first. You know, I think a few years I might sort of slowly shut it down a little bit. I've been traveling now over 20 years across the world, retiring. I mean, just I was, you know, it was a circuit two days ago, drove 10 hours round trip, did another talk in Rhode Island, got on a 6 a.m. flight down here and worked guys out by 11. So yeah. I enjoy it. I like it. It keeps me going. Um, but, you know, I have three kids now and doing the speaking stuff, you know, who knows? If I can help people, you know, that's what I want to do. And I, I, Syracuse was really a good talk and they did a heck of a job. John Wildhack reached out to me right away. And, um, you know, we, we set it up pretty fast, you know, and he, he knew it was very important. He had told me he can kind of sense, you know, are going through something. And um, we had a mutual friend of Bob Iger and we just said, let's, let's do this. You know, this is a very important thing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Just dropping names like Bob Iger. That's good. I that. <laughs> no. um, Rob, listen, I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and this wasn't the usual inside Syracuse basketball podcast subject and everything, but I think it's an important one. Uh, I think you were very uh, brave to speak about your struggles and your, you know, the attempted suicide and all that in the story that you wrote for the Tribune. So, uh, you know, you got my respect with that one. Um, I'm glad that that was the one thing that you apparently have failed at in your life, because I can't imagine you not being here with us. Yeah. You know, you're a terrific guy and I know you're, you're a terrific dad. You got to stick around for those kids. And I'm glad you're turning this around and and helping others. Yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal. If you need help, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. 
I want to thank Rob for joining me on the podcast today. And thanks to you out there as well for listening in. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and follow all of our complete coverage of Syracuse basketball on Syracuse.com. Until next time on the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, I'm Mike Waters.